Welcome to The Exchange, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business at Acadia University, Woolfield, Nova Scotia. Acadia University is a member of the Maple League of Universities, an association of the premier, primarily undergraduate universities that consistently rank highest for educational quality in Canada. The School of Business at Acadia University is named after Fred C. Manning, the first person in Canada to receive the honor of having a business school named after him. To learn more about Acadia University and the business school, please visit acadiau.ca and business.acadiau.ca. And now, on to the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of the Axe Change podcast here at Acadia University in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Today, I am joined by Paul Griffith, Griffith sorry, and Ron Lovett from the Entrepreneurs Organization. And that organization is a group of over 13,000 entrepreneurs who all have their own businesses and startups with over $1 million in annual revenue. So, Paul and Ron, I'll hand it over to you guys to do a more personalized introduction from there. Excellent. Thanks, Brent. Um, I'll jump in, and uh, my name is Paul Griffith, as Brent introduced me, and I am the CEO and founder of Over the Edge, who uh, is a special events company that works uh, with nonprofits throughout North America and the world, and we repel people down office buildings. I'm Ron Lovett. Uh, I used to have a company that's I don't know if your listeners be too young, but it was called Source Security. So yeah. it was a private security company, physical guarding uh, company that operated across Canada. So we oh, did really? concerts, festivals, events, guarding okay. services. Uh, sold that two years ago and now uh, have a few different companies. One is called Vita Living, which focuses on affordable housing. Right. Yeah. And, Paul, it's, it's very interesting with your current company, a special events company, right? Correct. And... I'm I'm so curious, and when I was reading over that, looking at it, I was like, now that is something you don't see every day, especially um, something like to build a business out of, like yourself. So what got you into special events, and was there a particular motivation there or, or a circumstance that motivated that? Well, yeah, so the the story behind it um, is that it really happened by, by circumstance. Yeah. Uh, my background is in adventure sport, and we used to run a health and lifestyle consulting business, as Ron and I were talking about on the way down here, called FitPro. Okay. Um, and that was in the early 90s or so, kind of a, ahead of the whole fitness craze. Right. We were a bunch of personal trainers, yeah. corporate health and wellness, that sort of thing. And one of the lines that we had was a uh, adventure racing. So we were actually hosting adventure races throughout um, Atlantic Canada, and, and for those that are familiar with it, it's kind of a um, adventure sport. There's four di- disciplines. It's held in the backwoods of nowhere in the middle of the night, and it's just an extreme adventure. So is that like the Amazing Race kind of thing? In a much but smaller with, version, okay. yeah. yeah. You don't really get to any of the, the luxury travel. You get to go to the Bay of Fundy or the Coquit. Yeah. Or, I mean, we have our own little gems here to offer. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that business line was very underwhelmed. Um, yeah. Great uh, small niche, but we were trying to mainstream it. So we hosted an urban adventure race. Um, so we had our racers run around Halifax for the marketing and promotion of it. And okay. one of the disciplines in adventure racing is a rope aspect. So in this case, we needed a repelling. Um, we used to use a rock face. We needed a building because we were in downtown Halifax. So we basically rappelled down 1801 Hollis and Duke in 2004. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, it was the first time it had ever happened, largely in, in Canada, uh, yeah. certainly in Halifax. 
and then from there, um, the owner and I, um, after the race came through, said, it'd be kind of cool if we invited all our buddies up to the top of the roof and push them off and charge them a thousand bucks and doing it. Yeah, I'd pay that. Yeah, with the intention of giving the money back to uh, charity. Of course. So that was in 2004, and then it just has uh, taken off after that. Yeah. So we were very fortunate. And so what are some particularly other exciting events that you guys do, or, or what cities are you operating in? Yeah, so we've kind of stayed, unlike a lot of entrepreneurs, um, we've kind of stuck in one lane. So our event is called Over the Edge. It's a, it's yeah. a niche event, and that's the signature event that we do. Right. We've branched out a little bit into some slacklining and a few other different things okay. like that. Um, but in our previous uh, business, we did much broader adventure, adventure racing, yeah. corporate health and wellness retreats and that sort of thing. Yeah. But Over the Edge is simply repelling people down office buildings right across North America. Um, and actually, the world, we just got back from New Zealand uh, on Friday. So, Really? New yeah. Zealand? Yeah. And you're doing buildings there, eh? We were, yeah. Down any, any mountains either or uh, just the cities? Did some uh, some spectacular hikes at Tanguero yeah. Crossing. Okay. Uh, Cross through that. It's about a 20K trek. Wow. Uh, so it was uh, That's neat. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so do you have to, do you just organize it with the biz, the building owners beforehand? Say, hey, look, we want to climb down the side of your building. No, it's crazy, but like this is what we do. Well, um, a little bit different. So our clients are the nonprofits. So our yeah. company exists uh, and we set up the goal in 2008 to help raise $50 million for nonprofits. So that was the essence of the company when we kind of tested in the Canadian market from four to eight. Uh, and then we opened up in the U.S., uh, went into that market with a specific goal to help raise $50 million. Okay. So we'll contract with um, uh, nonprofits in a particular city, or yeah. MSA as we call them, Metro Statistical Area. Yeah. And then they work with the client, then we introduce it to the different building owners that uh, are perspective that we think we can hostly save it at. Yeah. And is there a reason why you only focus on this this niche of a niche almost? I mean, like... It does seem like the the best place to focus because it's it's uh, very simple and straightforward. You're propelling down buildings, and it's very exhilarating and also unique. Is there a reason why you you've just trimmed it down to that? Um, I think, and it's funny because Ron and I were talking about it on the way down. It's it's passion and purpose. Okay, right? it's where where those two collide. So as entrepreneurs, we're very passionate about different things, and and it's it's tough to find an industry where you're really passionate and being purposeful yeah so with us we get to help lots of uh nonprofits. this year we'll have almost uh, raised a hundred million dollars uh throughout north america largely uh for different nonprofits. so you wake up every day feeling really good about around yourself yeah um and because we kind of created a niche where there wasn't any in the nonprofit <clears throat> sector um we've des- decided to remain very focused and and true to that yeah um so we're starting to look at some other different business models some auxiliary type things uh, as the business kind of matures and as we kind of continue to grow but it's a pretty full-time uh, oper- operations we'll yeah do almost 200 events a year so it's, wow. it's, it's pretty packed yeah, yeah. yeah and so ron i imagine passion and purpose translates over to what you do with with viva living as well vita yeah vita sorry yeah, no problem and um what was your motivation? I imagine it would be a lot of the same, the passion, purpose, and help in the community. Mm. And how did Vita Living come out for you, and and, and what was that like? Yeah. Um, so yeah, as Paul mentioned, we were just talking about this in the car. In my previous life, I was just mentioning that I was passionate about the private security sector. So okay. passionate about 
for me, passion, I'm passionate about going into old businesses and, uh, you know, asking my question, <clears throat> asking myself the question, what if I had to restart this industry today, knowing what I know about the current challenges? Okay. Uh, and so we, we used to do that in the security industry, but my purpose, uh, I believe, kind of in life is helping people out. And I wasn't able to really do that in the private security sector. Right. As long story short, uh, exited two years ago. And then now, uh, affordable housing to me is a really great example of an old tired industry that no one's really said, how do we mm -hmm. reinvent this? How do we yeah. create the Uber uh, with risk Carlton service of affordable housing? Yeah. There's lots of challenges. And so I owned, uh, I've owned real estate since I was 21, but I bought a, uh, a building three years ago with the Canadian comedian, Shama Jumder. Okay. And so we've owned that and uh, up in Fairview on Evans Avenue. I don't know if you know where that is. Anyway, uh, when we bought that building, it was pretty obvious that the commonalities on affordable housing was a lack of safe, secure, clean affordable housing mm -hmm. that provided any type of opportunity or any sense of community. Yeah. So the idea was how do we become hyper-focused on building a business with those four um, metrics and right. just focusing on that? Yeah, uh, you're um, absolutely right. I mean, it, it gets brushed under the carpet because those aren't the people that are paying high premiums to the, the landlords, right? That's right. And so do you guys um, provide services or do you actually have facilities and, and buildings that you lease out, rent out? So it's all multi-unit res from usually 12 okay. units or above. Yeah. Uh, but we use every space we can to provide some type of community aspect, i.e. if there were storage areas in the basement, we demo it and provide a gym. I use gym gear, but we put gyms in these buildings. Okay. If there's a nook or cranny up in the hallway, we'll build a library with a book exchange, a game exchange for families. Yeah. Um, and then second of, all, uh, second of all, I should say, our, when our our tenants are going through our application process, we ask kind of two lines of questioning. One is, what are their skills that we can tap into? So are yep. they painters, plumbers, cleaners? Uh, what, you know, they do IT support. How do we plug into them as a company, as Vita Living? Yeah. Operating our assets and operating the business. And then two, what's their side hustle? What can they bring to the community? Yeah. So we actually just hired a young guy uh, named Olu who, uh, He's from Africa. He's from Nigeria, and he used to run social businesses. He's he's one of our tenants. Lives okay. in Fairview, actually, on Evans Avenue. Yeah. And we were struggling with how do we bring people's side hustles to market? Yeah. You know. Um, and so Olu's just joined us, and one of what what he really does is focuses on any individuals that are looking to create a dog walking company, work on other people's cars, do childcare. Mm -hmm. He'll find that, bring him through a process to bring them to market, coach them quite a bit. Then we pay him um, for, for this, for bringing someone to market. Um, he'll put them out on our platform, uh, build their business, and, uh, and he, he can even actually issue a microloan. So up to $500, he can uh -oh. issue them a microloan from Beta, helping them come to market. So it's a very different uh, um, approach to affordable housing. Yeah, it's almost like you're taking affordable housing and obviously that community aspect, you're taking it a step further and almost building like an accelerator for everybody and their specialties to build them. And um, yeah, micro-community, we want them to, you know, be self-sustainable, be able to, you know, yeah. uh, you know, have a better life and, and just live in that community and add more value to, to their own families and, and to the community. Absolutely. And... Um, what was your friend's name? Sorry, that you just oh, mentioned. Sean Majumder. He's, he's on this hour's twenty-two minutes Canadian community. Really? Yeah. Okay. From Newfoundland. And so, Sean, does he do like? How does he bring the people to market? Does he do it through like social media and new methods, or how does that go about? Well, it's not really Sean. Sean just happens to own a 
piece of one asset. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think your question is, how do we, sorry, how does Vita get people to? Yeah. Like, how would you, if somebody has a specialty in, say, dog oh, walking and sorry. what else not, like, how do you, how would you get them on their feet and then yeah. get them clients? Yeah. So two sides. One in the application process, we would say, what else do you do? What, what, you know? And we also will drive data around what other services would you like to have? Right. And so Olu, back to Olu, what he'll do is he's also a community connector. If you were looking for dog walking service, let's just say. Okay. You'd reach out to Olu. He would actually reach out to the community and say, hey, I've got six people here looking for the service. Does anyone want okay. to start a business? Okay. Coach them through that process. So, I mean, let me ask you about your background. What do you do? How, how, how can you be a great dog walker? Yeah. What are the costs? Is that cost going to be less than what the market dictates? Because if not, it's no good. You can just go to you know, you just yeah. go to ABC company down the street. What you what tools do you need? Do you have them all? Do you need a micro loan to get this off? Um, let's talk about your your your. We don't have them create a business plan, but just your methodology. How do you execute the service? Yeah. Take that information, push it out in our platform, and off you go. We don't make any money from it. We just want people to. Yeah, and I mean, when you build a community, the community in turn builds you as well. Correct. Yeah. And so, um, does he charge a fee to the people he's working with, or no, is this zero? He's really pay. yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so, how does Vita Living sustain? Is it all through your uh, rent fees, or is there other revenues as well? Yeah, I mean, mostly it is through rent fees. Yeah, you know, that's the business of real estate. You yeah, know? and you know, we do. Uh, in the affordable sector, we're probably, you know, a lot of markets, we're 50 to to $100 more than the competition. So we do. Okay. But we have a different type of standard. Absolutely. You know, so our the, our security is the same as you'd see buildings in downtown Halifax. Fob entry okay. system, full camera systems. Um, and so we are, um, we're a nice balance of giving people what they would never usually get access to at a very affordable price. Yeah. And so now for both of you. How did you guys come to be part of the entrepreneurs organization? Yeah, I'll probably start, Paul, because I can rewind on Ab- the chapter. Absolutely. Uh, so years ago, I was part of something called YPO, Young Presidents Organization, okay. which is a global organization as well, um, but isn't really made up of entrepreneurs. Maybe, I don't know what the stats are, maybe it's 20% entrepreneurs, could yeah. be family business or hired guns or president of a, of a company. I was part of that, and I went to a dinner at the CAG one night. There was a few other entrepreneurs. And they said, you know, some of us uh, don't qualify for YPO. Yeah. I think it was $7 million in revenue or $5 million, I can't remember. And they said, but we'd like to do something because we love the format of sharing, like that format of getting together in a highly confidential environment where you could say, look, I have a really great opportunity that I can't share with the public or anybody close to me or a really big challenge in my business or personal life that I can't really share. EO provides that type of um, okay. support. And so these folks are saying, look, we just want to do something like this anyways. And I said, you know, I've heard of this thing called EO. Let me check it out. I knew there was a guy in Montreal, actually Eric Boyko, who just bought um, New Cap Radio. It's Galaxy. He's an EO member. <clears throat> and Stingray, sorry, not Galaxy. Stingray Media. And so I called Eric and he said, yeah, you know, he was the, he was in the chat, the EO chapter in Montreal. That was the furthest chapter east at the time. So I don't know okay. if uh, Quebec City had launched at that uh, moment in time. So I contacted them and Kind of became the the, uh, the launching champion here for Halifax, and that was probably eight years ago. We did a an event at Rob Steele's place from Steele Chrysler, okay. uh, who uh, was in YPO and a friend of mine. And we had Ron Joyce and Kelly Gruber come, the old baseball player from the Blue Jays in her room, uh, and Ron Joyce, who was the founder of Tim Hortons. So we kind of created this. Cool... You got a lot of history here. Yeah, a lot yeah. Of different colors. Yeah, yeah. 
So they came together. That's right. I see that. So we launched this chapter um, of 14 members, and that was probably in 2000, something like that. 2010, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was all just you guys had uh, a mutual interest of of helping each other out and having that opportunity to gather together. And it just. Yeah. You know, and and really it's about the entrepreneur who wants to learn and grow. Yeah. Better individual, better entrepreneur. And so. You know, EO is not a networking opportunity. It's 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 about being honest with yourself and honest with your peers to prevent, sorry, present uh, things that are on your mind to get together in a very highly confidential uh, environment mm. where you can put your cards on the table and people are going to ask you really tough questions. Your yeah. back's going to yeah. sweat at some of your meetings, right? And that's where where the real value comes from. Yeah, you, know? you can you can really get people to work through your ideas with you without the fear of them stealing it or anything. Yeah, that and and you know they. As entrepreneurs, it's really tough to get out of your business. And EO is a great platform where your phone is off and you're working on your business. You're right. out in the weeds for because forms meet three to four hours a month for uh, you know ten, eleven times a year. Okay, it's a lot of time commitment that you're. Yeah. you but but it's great. You work on your business. And Paul, over to you. How uh, you want to talk about how you kind of even heard about EO and yeah. Well, it was, it was interesting because um, I had heard when Ron had started it, he kind of undersells himself a little bit. So Ron has been the, the Atlantic Canadian champion for nine years running, past president for a couple of years. You know, he's done more for the organization than any single individual. Um, and so I had heard Ron and, and heard of this literally seven or eight years ago um, and had just had a negative experience with another group Um Kind of very similar to that whole form because there's lots of them out there. Yeah. Um, and I said, well, this is just probably another one of those flash in the pans that's going to be there and it's going to be gone again. So I just yeah. kind of um, sat on the on the sidelines uh, up until about a year ago. So it was a long time in the on the bench. Um, but for me, what ended up happening is I ended up getting a, a board of advisors around my company to support me in that intern. But as our my my growth uh, as an entrepreneur continues and as a company continues, as Ron said, it was really, really important for me to start to continue to work on my business. So about a year ago, I joined. um, And I can't tell you, uh, Brendan, how impressed I was. Um, Like a lot of entrepreneurs, you just kind of jump in with both feet. Um, And I joined in in November, uh, end up joining the executive team, the board uh, at EO, uh, in December or January, mm-hmm. and had my first uh, global conference experience in Toronto um, at their leadership conference, uh, where myself and 3,500 other entrepreneurs from around the world showed up. And I had no expectations. I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, and I was completely blown away. The professionalism, the depth of education, the sharing, um, the content, it is by far anything I've ever, ever seen. Yeah. Um, highly, highly professional, organized, global, and it goes right from international right down to Atlantic Canada, which right is really cool. Mm-hmm. And what are the criteria for the members to become part of it? Yeah, so uh, member criteria is a million U.S. in revenue okay. and owner, founder, majority shareholder. Okay. Yeah, so pretty simple. And there is a screening process, so yeah. it's invite only. You have to be invited by a current EO member. Um, and once you're invited, um, the screening process is really around, can you get vulnerable? You know, maybe you can't today, but is there an opportunity? You, you, are you going to have your walls up the entire time? If so, it's not really a great place. Yeah. You know, if you're not, if you can't open up, 
you're not going to get a whole lot of value. And how well do you align with EO's personal values or, right. or, or, or company or, or organizational values? Yeah, core values. Yeah. It's what, go boldly. Yeah. Um, you know, I should know these. Oh, we just went through them. Go boldly. Um, make a uh, mark. Make a mark. Um, continuous improvement, I think. And, and there, having fun. There's yeah. three or four yeah. core values. Yeah. Um, so it's neat. Yeah. And go boldly. What? Elaborate on that. How? What kind of actions would you see? Like, because I personally like that being a, a semi-bold person myself, and I see all like fortune in the end does favor the bold and or favor the brave, whichever way you want to put it. Um, how do you guys? I say we could use some personal stories here. How do you guys bring going boldly into your businesses and, and examples of that? Well, I'll probably jump in because, you know, I've often been asked as you, so why repelling and why did you do that? Yeah. And anyway, it was a niche that was brought to us and, and uh, it happened by circumstance. And then we were purposeful about, you know, creating a business and, and finding that niche lane. Um, what was going boldly is that in the first three years, the first year we did it, it was designed to be a one-off event, and that's really where it was going to stay. Okay. But then Easter Seals March of Dimes had approached us to do a national series, um, and I had said, no, we just had our second kid. I said, listen, this is a Halifax event only. We have another business. We have an adventure racing business, a second girl. There's way yeah. too much going on. Anyway, um, after they came back and they said, listen, this is going to be a million dollars worth of revenue for us because we want to do a 10-city tour, and it's going to put us on the front page of every daily newspaper. Wow. So we agreed to do that from one event to 10 events, uh, which is a pretty bold move. Yeah. Um, and we successfully did that. Uh, and the, the Easter Seals uh, drop zone that we started is still running today, which is greatly. Wow. In 2008, probably the boldest move, and, and probably in, in hindsight not the best move, uh, we decided to pick up operations and go into the U.S. So yeah. we closed our Canadian market or sold our Canadian market basically to Easter Seals, and then we went to the most litigious place on the planet um, from a from a lawsuit perspective, and we were going to repel people down office buildings. Yeah. So, you know, kind of a, a silly uh, concept at the time. Uh, people just thought we were crazy. Yeah, I see uh, why. Couldn't work and all these sorts of things, but we per, uh, persevered and went boldly into that market. And, yeah. And we, you know, we found a niche, so it's, it's been quite quite mm-hmm. unique. So That's absolutely a great example of that, I must say. It's a bold endeavor in, in a bold endeavor itself. Um, was there any particular um, hiccups along the way of moving into the American market? I mean, whether it was um, just lash back from building owners saying, are you nuts? I'm not going to let you do this. Or like lack of, of connections. Or was there any hardships through there that you can recall? Oh, it, there, there was t- a tons of hardships. Yeah. One, one of the big things. So you got to understand we went from, you know, just being a concept here in Canada and yeah. running just right, basically a, a small operation. When we moved into the U.S., we started with Okay. All right. And at that time, and our business model is that what we end up doing is um, we sell at a flat rate, so a, a set fee, mm-hmm. and then the nonprofit makes everything over and above that. Okay. So we're not tied to a percentage, which is a kind of a unique business model in the fundraising. We feel it's far more ethical to charge a flat rate, and then yeah. they experience all the upside rather than the common models of having a percentage. Um, in our first year, we sold two events, and at that time, it was about 
$25,000 in event. Okay. Our insurance quote was 120000 <laughs> just for that first year alone, right? Jeez. So it's like, well, you got to find a better way. Yeah, how do you get around that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that was one of the, probably the, the first. Uh, what did you do? Yeah, what well, did you do? Uh, well, what we did, we ended up um, going back to our uh, USARA roots. So the Adventure Racing Association has an underwriter and insurance in it. And so we were able okay. to position it as a recreational event, mm. tie into that insurance, right. which is basically per person. Um, and then we picked up some other global general liability. So our event was covered and our business was covered. Yeah. Mm. But the other neat thing is um, we ended up doing one of the events, our first events for Georgia Tech, their alumni organization. Okay. And we're in this uh, this young Canadian company and we have this insurance. And you can imagine the, the contract, how legal it is. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we get on the phone, unbeknownst to me, with, I think his name was Robert Brown at the time, and he goes, yeah, I'm the university's, you know, uh, legal representative, risk guy, and and how are you, and I'm good, and, and, you know, how, you know, how can I help you, and what about this, and anyway, he completely schooled me on the legalities and what we should have had in our contracts and what Mm. wasn't there. And unbeknownst to me, he was the head of one of the largest insurance companies in North America. Oh, really? Right? So he was exceptionally generous with his time. Um, and really, from that point on, every legal advisor that we contacted, we asked them for their best practices of how they would write it mm-hmm. in the contract. So we had a live contract for about the first three years that just kept getting better okay. and better and better. Yeah. And sooner, it was about almost 24 months into the process, no one could pick any holes in our waiver, yeah. identifications, any all that stuff because we've had the best mm-hmm. legal minds already take it. Exactly. Right? And that's what they wanted. So we led with that as an existing contract, and they were like, oh. So, you know, the most we get today is, oh, you need to change this word to this word or something like that, yeah. which is great. So. Nitpicky. <laughs> that ties in perfectly to another EO core value, the continuous improvement. So that's a great example of that as well. So, Ron, any um, examples of, Jumping in both feet first yeah. in your journey. Well, you know, back to kind of going bold. I feel like even in the private security space, I think for me, going bold is I, don't, I haven't gotten any businesses so much where um, we just we just say, oh, well, we, we can get into space and do things just a little bit better. Yeah. Um, even in the private security space, we had such a unique model. We kind of created the um, Southwest Airlines culture in the private security space. And had a really unique model where we had no mid-level managers or senior managers. Everything really? was pushed down to the ground. So bold for me is kind of going back to the drawing board and, and not having a playbook for what we're doing. Yeah. Is being okay with the unknown and having a blindfold on. And I really love that. I love failing and I love failing fast. Yeah. Uh, same with affordable housing. Um, no one that I've seen has really tried to go back to the drawing board in how do you operate multi-residential affordable housing, not create affordable housing through technologies. That's not what we do. Yeah. Just going back to the people who are living there and yeah. kind of left, um, you know, and sometimes treated, they're left, they're left behind and treated yeah. like, you know, lint on the floor. And how do yeah. you, how do you give them, as I mentioned before, that Ritz Carlton feel. And that, that for us is challenging and it's going back to the drawing board. It's being very bold uh, about a space that I think a lot haven't, um, haven't gone into and we'll stay away from specifically for the challenges of the industry. Yeah. So 
that to me is going bold. I, I definitely agree that is a very bold tactic because normally, like especially with modern real estate developments and condominiums, it's you just follow the kind of sci-fi-esque technology path like, oh, we'll, make, we'll have more marble, bigger windows, we'll have screens in the walls type thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how people progress. But like going, no, we're not going to do any of that to differentiate ourselves. We're going to focus on community. You see a lot of people just raising eyebrows like, yeah, okay, how's that going to work, mm-hmm. right? So no, I really like that. Um, hold on a second. I had a had a question here. It was, was it about uh, regardless. I'm going to ask you about sure. one year failure or something. Yeah. So Ron, I mean, you say you like um, uh, doing things and, and failing and failing fast, and that just made me think, funny enough, as well of the motto on Facebook's headquarters wall as soon as you lock in the door, walk in the door is move fast and break things. I mean, like it sounds terribly dangerous, but mm. that is the way of the bold and, and how you progress the fast. You fall on your face, you realize why, and then you keep going. Is there notable circumstances? where that happened to you throughout either going to affordable housing and the community base there or when you're in private security? Yeah, I'll, I'll even go back before that. Probably before, yeah. Biggest lesson. So, I, you know, back to new industries and stuff. Uh, you know, I had this private security company. I was in a construction business, but I used to own two restaurants in Halifax. Really? And one was, a, you know, I'd been to Australia, Montreal, and loved this BYOB concept. Yeah, bring your own bottle of wine. So I opened Milano's restaurant, which was an Italian restaurant on Klein Street, which was bring your own bottle of wine. First one in Nova Scotia. So uh, no one knew how to deal with it. We didn't fall under alcohol gaming regulations. We yeah. didn't fall under anyone's regulations. And so we just charge a corkage fee and off we went. They've since changed the regulations, so it does yeah. fall under the AGD. Um, but I had that restaurant, and then I opened a second restaurant called Noodle Nook at Pizza Corner. There's a little place called Willie's Hamburgers. I mm. sold the, the location to him, and I had this place for a year, and it was a bento takeout. You know, you'd see this. As a kid, I'd watch, like, Seinfeld. I'm like, God, it's so nice. These people are eating Chinese food in a, in a bento box. Yeah. You don't have anything like that. So easy. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and my, with my security company, we had offices in Victoria, and there was a place called Noodle Box. Okay. And back then, I called the guy and said, look, love your restaurant. They're in there with the walks and going wild. The food was excellent. Start off with a street cart in Thailand or something, and he brought this wow. concept home. And he didn't want a franchise. And I said, why don't I pay you to consult with me to open a similar concept? He told me to pound sand. So I just opened Noodle Nook. Yeah. And, you know, our slogan was eat it and beat it. Get your food and get the F out. You know? <laughs> and uh, and so, um, but my the lesson was at the time I had the security business, construction, you know, four businesses. I had no business having four businesses. And, mm. and really my security company was doing okay, but I wasn't making any money. Uh, I was losing my shirt, eating lots of manicotti and noodles at the other two places, but I wasn't <laughs> yeah. making any money. And so, you know, I remember getting, it was so bad that I was paying the employees for my MasterCard. Right. For the noodle look. Yeah. And I just like, you know, I just didn't matter that I was, you know, BDC Entrepreneur of the Year Award and all these, I say foolish, they're great awards. Um, but, but, you know, sometimes I think you get caught up in that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I was, you know, and, and you're, 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 you're not really going to the foundation of your business and wondering, you know, should, should I really be doing this stuff? Yeah. Not focus. You're just, you can't say no. And it's opportunity after opportunity. And anyway, um, I closed, I basically gave away, um, Milano's, uh, to, uh, Tom Hickey was my partner at the time. And I gave my shares to Brad Hartland, uh, who owns like 
Bubba Ray's and all these places. I just kind of okay. said, take it. And then the noodle milk, I just shut it down. Yeah. And it was a big, it was a big hit for me because, you know, here I was getting these awards knowing that I was going to, you know, in my mind had failed at these two businesses. Yeah. Um, now I knew what to, to keep my security business alive. I had to refocus and everybody tells you focus folks. You don't listen until you fall on your face. Yeah. Um, and so that was a big lesson, uh, a lesson on, on it's not about your ego. There is a time, you know, entrepreneurs, we're, we're relentless and, and tenacious and we don't give up. But there's a time where you say, look, I'm not going to go down with the ship. There, you know, I've tried yeah. what I can and it's time to say it's, yeah. it's time to close the doors on this venture or, or, or shut it down. And that was a great lesson for me. Absolutely. And I see that being the source of a lot of entrepreneurs' failure and hardship is the inability to say no, whether, whether it's them trying to do all the tasks and the management and the accounting of their company or just taking all these different business opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. So, no, that's definitely interesting. What initially inspired you to get into the restaurant industry? You know, I was a, I, I kind of played around. I liked to cook a little bit. I was never a train cook. I was a dishwasher yeah. at Eastside Mario's. Right. I, I know what that's like. That's where I started right? as well. And a line cook, a prep cook, not yeah. line cook, prep cook. Um, I just love food. I just loved it. Yeah. You know it all the time. I loved it. And I loved the experience of it. And I loved Italian food. I was going to call it Firenze's or like Florence, but it, you couldn't pronounce it. And I thought Milano's the leisure. Yeah. And I loved the, you know, I, I also made the mistake in both of those businesses. And I, and I, and I believe Halifax wasn't ready for either of them at the time. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the service food and, and entertainment and, uh, you know, yeah, those types of businesses, brick and mortar businesses, Sometimes we make the mistake of, wow, you know, um, I believe that Halifax in particular um, would love to have a BYOB restaurant. Well, yeah. the question should be, what does Halifax really want? Not what do I think it should have? Yeah. And I asked the wrong question twice. Okay. Right. And so, uh, and now actually, I, I actually think now that Halifax is ready for some new concepts. Yeah. Because of, you sit back and see them. You see RCR with Onyx and different things that didn't make it either. But I do feel that now the city's a little more progressive. My timing was wrong. Yeah. And I asked the wrong question. I should have just opened two Irish pubs and I'd be, be rich right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Me and Paul wouldn't be here. We'd be drinking my Irish booze, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In Ireland. Uh, yeah, that's right. In Ireland. So, so you know, um, yeah. I think sometimes we, we just move so fast and we don't sit back and ask, get to the right question. Kind of reassess. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Paul, over to you. Any noteworthy events like that? Um, not so much from that perspective, but I'll, I'll share a couple things. Um, one is the original business that we had is Fit Pro Lifestyle Consultants, yeah. which was health and lifestyle consulting. Um, that was a, we were trying to do a fair amount of education. So anytime that you're really at the front end of any sort of trend, mm -hmm. it's it's tough to educate and tough to be profitable uh, because so much of your time is spent trying to to get into that education, and you know you got to sometimes beware of, you know, I was quite fit at the time, you know, we coached a lot of hockey, worked with a lot of, you know, just had a lot of fun outdoors and yeah. recreation. So when you start to do that as a full-time career, sometimes you lose a little bit of that passion. Yeah. Um, mm. So oftentimes, you know, entrepreneurs love something and then they get into doing it full-time and it's like, yeah. So sometimes be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I think, has really helped us, and as as Ron's alluded to, you know, entrepreneurs are famous for, oh, what's next? Or as you yeah. mentioned, Brent, Brendan, never saying no, yeah. right? So what's that next shiny object? Or, oh, look, squirrel. 
so to speak, right? So one of the things that I think really helped me as we transitioned from FitPro to Over the Edge was a board of advisors. So okay. we put a group together of largely friends that, you know, knew me and, and I respected them in the business community and they were from different walks of life. Yeah. So put that uh, board around me to give me a slap in the head, yeah. you know, say smarten up, that's where you need to focus or yeah. that's a great idea, you should explore it further yeah. or just to give you some on-candid feedback, yeah. which is tough to do. And the neat thing about EO, it, you know, which I didn't know then, um, was that group is very similar, right? Yes. So you're able, slightly different when you look at a board of advisors, it's, you know, there's some confidentiality aspects and, and the focus is all on you rather than the sharing of information, which EO is. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a good lesson to learn that, you know, from, that, from either perspective, there's lots of great support out there. Absolutely. And do you guys see a lot of this moving fast and breaking things in EO? Because I imagine... If that's a trade of entrepreneurs, that must be the heart of it, isn't it? Yeah. I, you know, I've got a saying, and I, um, I really believe in this. And I don't. I, it might even be. I might have stole this from EO. But if you know, if you, you know, that old saying: if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I just think it's the stupidest yeah. thing in the world. If, if you find something and it's not broken, break it and put it back together better than you found it. And so, sure. you know, uh, continuous improvement is also a big value of of any company I'm involved with. So it is constantly saying. You find something. Don't make the mistake. I mean, in 2010, 2011, we were involved in the Olympics um, in out west uh, with my security company when they were in Vancouver. Uh-huh. We had 600 staff. We had bid the whole thing, you know, $110 wow. million, dollars, didn't win, and, and had 600 staff out there for probably two months. And after that, opened up offices, Kelowna, Vancouver, Victoria. That year, I lost about a million dollars, and the sole shareholder, it was a big nugget to swallow. And I constantly tell people now, you know, the time to go back to the drawing board, the time to, to uh, really go back to a system process, your cash flow, whatever it is, every aspect of your business, don't wait like I didn't wait until, like, mm. you're smelling rock bottom. Yeah. Because entrepreneurs, that's what we do. It, unfortunately, we are in the weeds, and then it's like, wow, crisis time. Go to the blank drawing board and figure this thing out and yeah. obsess about it. Uh, now I, we try to have a culture where we do that all the time. If yeah. Our, onboarding is going great, then we'll say, great, throw it out and, and reinvent it today. Yeah. How do we make it better? Time, you know, times that, that are good. And um, so we're always trying to focus on that, which is really aligned with what you said, Brennan, on, you know, breaking things. Yeah. And personal lesson in for myself in uh, my heart, like valiant, I must say, valiant attempts in, in trying to trade and, and trade cryptocurrencies is the the constant face of failure and falling on your face, standing back up, and so on and so forth. And the question I often ask, and my answer is quite resolutely, uh, you have to go down this path to learn this lesson, but do you guys think an entrepreneur has to end up in the weeds a few times to be like, okay, let's stop doing this, I'm going to constantly reassess and try to take preventative measures, or do you think that's just asking too much of the of the human condition? Why? Well, I- I always think, you know, I always heard about Steve Jobs, and when Steve Jobs mm-hmm. heard there was a customer failure, failure, he would go right to the crux of that problem. He wanted right. to touch it, smell it, feel it, you know. Yeah. I feel similar. I think that, that there's this, it sucks. If you're in the weeds, it's tough. It's tough to get your head above water and be strategic. But you yeah. should spend some time in there. You need to, you know, you need to be able to advise your team your customers on what it is you do. And if you don't really know what you do and the, the, the pieces of it and, and 
then I think that's a problem. But, you know, like, no, I didn't know how to, I, I had a security business for 15 years. I didn't know how to go to the website to log into the accounting system. I would just ask for a report. I, you know, like, yeah. there's some things that I just don't think are a great uh, value of my time. Some may not agree. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know what your thoughts on that are, Paul. Yeah, I think there's there's this uh, difference there. If you're an entrepreneur that buys a business and you're buying an mm. existing process, then I think um, you may or may not have the luxury of, of uh, larger oversight. Yes. If you're something, an entrepreneur that mm. grows it organically or creates it from nothing, um, you need to be your best salesman. You need yeah. to be your best you know, account. You need to be all those sorts of things in the early days mm. unless you scale incredibly, incredibly fast and you put those people around you immediately. Right. Yeah. right? So uh, I think there's huge value in understanding the nitty-gritty um, in the early days. Um, but it's key to the success of a business, and that's where mm. a lot of businesses fail to grow or fail, period, is that the, the entrepreneur doesn't get out of that, uh, yeah. doesn't get out of the weeds, or they chase the next shiny thing, right? Mm. When they could probably step back and go, I really need to be working strategically on this. So absolutely. Yeah. And entrepreneurs, I mean, we're great problem solvers. That's what we do. You know, I'm, I'm in the, this right now. You know, we have a, with Vita, we have a maintenance manager. He's a great guy, and he loves the company. He'll answer the phone at 3 a.m. and go solve a problem. But in our model, we have building ambassadors that really live in each building. Their job is to solve the tenants' maintenance, small maintenance issues. Yeah. So we've been kind of in this, you know, um, crossfire of the ambassadors call our maintenance construction manager who comes down to fix a ceiling fan or put batteries into uh, a smoke detector. When he, well, really, we want him focused on new technologies and putting new product on market, like finishing yeah. units to drive revenue. Yeah. And so. This is a great example of, you know, our own organization is in the way of, of, of living our purpose, which is revolutionizing affordable housing. Because right. the idea is that those building ambassadors would call, be forced to call tenants to say, hey, Paul, can you help out tenant 101 with, with uh, you know, there's a ceiling fan problem. Hey, thanks a lot, Paul. And gift carding, Paul, for that. So we have this gift card okay. system. Yeah. So I basically jumped in and said, I'm going to be the point of contact for maintenance uh, for the entire company right now, which I'm the perfect person because I don't know how to fix anything. Yeah. So you're going to call me and say, I have no idea. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it was perfect. Bounce so, it right back to you. But as the entrepreneur, I also get to see where we're broken. Yes. You know, so someone says, well, yeah, great, Ron. I, I, I have a heating issue, but on our support system, it does the heating, but there's it's just this plumber. Do I call them? Great. We have a problem. It, it should be very clear. Right. So I get to really understand all the micro issues that we're having, yeah. fix it, and get the hell out of the way again. You know? Yeah. And touch it and feel it. And what, so you said... Was it with Vita or your security company that you didn't have um, medium and lower, medium level managers? Well, it was source. We had no mid level managers, no operations. Managers. We had 14, then changed our model, removed all 14. Okay. Four re, uh, senior regional directors, we removed them and a COO. Okay. And so that leads to my question. Um, a lot, it seems like a lot of the success of an entrepreneur comes from how well they can delegate and so therefore expand mm. and, and keep themselves focused on company and, and innovation issues and, and vision issues. Um, what is your take on that? With Because it sounds like you're more of a, of a be the manager yourself type guy. Yeah, look, I, there's a balance. And yeah. when I say that, yes, you have to be able to let go of things. But I also believe that in any um, thriving organization, you need this triangle. And so if I ask Paul to do something and he drops the ball, I ask myself three questions quickly. Was 
was he given a system or process to follow? Did we give him the right tools? And did we coach him on both of those things? Mm. If it's if there's one no, it's it's my problem. Or right. the organization's problem. Yeah. And then the other side of that coin, I believe, is that you have like A, B, and C players as far as employees. Okay. A C player, I'll just keep using Paul's name yeah. for just for fun, because he's not a C player. I can attest I've to that. I've been told that a yeah. couple times. <laughs> so a C player takes that system, they're coached on it, they have the tools. So the organization has to do that and they can't keep up. They just can't follow it. Yeah. C player, they need to go. Yeah. A B player can follow, they take the tools, they follow the system. Ten, 10 checklist things to do, they do it. Yeah. An A player that you can never get rid of in your organization is someone who says, you know, I looked at this system, Ron. Uh, one, I think there's some better tools and your 10 uh, checklist system, I think I can do that in six. You can't get rid of those people. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's both sides of that equation, which keep business for me kind of simple. Yeah. And so, you know, that's my answer to delegation. I don't think it's right to delegate without system tools and coaching someone on it. Absolutely. And then the other side is how does someone do uh, with that, those tool systems and how right. they're coached. I like that model. It sounds like it's very primed for success and to keep it growing. For right. sure that. Paul, do you have a take on that? Well, I, the, the question that I heard was around strategic vision and, and time and delegation. Delegate. Yeah. Was it delegation or? Yeah, yeah. delegation. Yeah, so um, delegation, absolutely. There's there's the necessity for it, as we talked about understanding the weeds, but as, as Ron put, making sure you get out of the way. Um, in any entrepreneur's life, they're going to be in the way, and they have to understand when they become the bottleneck to expansion. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's a key thing. And that and that's tough tough to understand and tough to, to hear. Yeah. Right? Um, so know that and, and uh, surround yourself with people that can give you that honest feedback. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you guys about um, the younger side of the entrepreneur's organization and also how that will tie into the Global Entrepreneurship mm-hmm. Awards. Um, firstly, like, do you guys have a lot of younger members or would they be more like peers of yours or older? How old do you think we are? <laughs> I don't want to answer that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, a trap. Careful, Brennan. Right? <laughs> that's a good question. So are you guys yeah. classified as the young ones? Well, Is that what you're getting at? I don't, I'm not. <laughs> well, there, well, there's a couple of things. We didn't mention Accelerator, which I'll talk yeah. about really briefly, too. Yeah. But I would say the, I don't know what the average global age of EO is, but mm. I think it's early it's late 40s, early 50s, something like okay, that is yeah. average age. Yeah. So we have members that would be 70. Yeah. And I think the youngest member in our chapter is 29. I think it's uh, Matt. Really? Uh, Trim Landscaping. Yeah. Right? It's Matt, Matt Oshawa. So, so, you know, because it takes a little time to build a business to a million dollars. And the other thing is, you know, and I'll, I'll use the construction industry as a great example. So we have some members that, you know, all of a sudden I, I own ABC Construction and I build Paul a million dollar house. Mm. I don't have the first clue about business. Yeah. Why should I qualify for something? I'm not going to add a whole lot of value. I, I, I just locked into a contract, built Paul a house, and here I am in EO. So we have another program called Accelerator, okay. which is for two companies between 250000 and a million. And it's to try to get companies to a million. And it's very right. similar to EO, except it's two different things. It's got uh, strong learning content from the book Scaling Up by Vern Harsh. So we have a, a, a fellow that comes in and does a full day of learning with an EO panel. And that's usually around four pillars of cash, people, strategy, and execution. Uh, and then it's got a really strong accountability piece. So that the accelerators are set up with an EO coach. Paul and I are both coaches. We would facilitate a similar form, but more of an accountability, i.e. Paul's my coach, Ron, 
what's your challenge this month? I present my challenge. Well, in 30 days, I better present what I've done about that. Yeah. So holding the entrepreneur accountable, which is yeah. huge. We don't have any accountability. Paul's got a board, but most don't have that. They don't have the luxury of it. You know? Yeah. And even some boards aren't really there to, to hold accountable. Paul sounds like he's set that up, which is really smart. Yeah. I have had advisory boards. You know, I didn't really tell them everything, and they weren't there to really put me in line either. Yeah. You know, it was more smoke and mirrors so I could yeah. uh, open doors. Um, and so, so the accelerator group is the average age of them are probably around 30, you know, okay. 30, early 30s, yeah. I would say on average. And we've got from mid-20s to, to mid-40s in accelerator. Yeah. Yeah. And, sorry, sorry. And I think the neat thing there, from whether it's EO Accelerator or the GSEA, the Global Student Entrepreneur uh, Program, the key focus is it's all about the entrepreneur, yeah. right? So it's less about what they've done in their business, but it's all about the support for that individual. How yeah. are they doing on a personal level? How are they doing on a business level? What can they share? What can they take and how can we best support? Yeah. So it's a really neat organization from that perspective. Yeah. Where a lot of the organizations are tech startups and it's, you know, it's this and it's the latest and greatest, whatever that is. Um, but very few organizations truly care and put their resources behind helping the individuals. Yeah, and not just their new product. Um, yeah, so it sounds like a lot of it is based around mentorship, right, and giving people guidance that they may need. Yeah, very, very much so in, yeah. in, in, from, from my perspective of what's, what's available. But with anything, it's what you put into it, right? So yeah. if you come and you kind of sit on the sidelines and go, oh, yeah, and all business is great, family's great, right? then then there's, you're, you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. Yeah. Um, and on the accelerator side, which Ron can speak to a little bit more. Well, EO, too, uh, you know, when you say that guidance, I'm just, my thought went to, it's really, I, I think it naturally happens a little bit, but it's really about, to Paul's point, being vulnerable, being open, getting asked very tough questions, and then okay. no one really gives you guidance. Yeah. They don't give you advice. They basically will say, uh, you know, Brennan, I had a similar experience. This is what I did, and that was a result. Right. And so it's very uh, objective. I'm just telling my story. Yeah. What you do with that is your business. Right. And so that gives you, and, and stories are much more powerful than, Brendan, wake up. All you should do is fire that person. Yeah. The next meeting, you haven't fired them. I think you're a complete idiot, and you're angry, and now there's tension between us. So they've, they've done their homework with the format. Okay. I think it's there to deliver the most unbiased value for you as the member. Yeah, and then you draw your conclusions and work that into your model. You have six entrepreneurs telling their own story. Sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. based on the Gestalt theory and concept, right? Okay. That academia aspect of it, yeah. which is purely experience sharing. So when you say mentorship, it, mentorship means a lot of things to a lot of people, right? So for mm -hmm. me, it's that, you know, being there to be supportive and sharing of information. It's not, yeah. well, here, this is exactly what you need to do. Yeah. You know, that's, that's babysitting. <laughs> yeah, so, right. exactly. And... How does that tie into the GSEA awards, and is that a lot of the same model? Or Well, it neat uh, that you bring that up, because the thing that I love most about the GSEA, and, and I'm the chair for this year, and actually signed on for a three-year deal yeah. with it, uh, which, which I think is a good thing from a foundation perspective, mm -hmm. but we're really trying to get out there, because Ron has been exceptionally active in not only growing EO, he's now taken the accelerator uh, uh, opportunity on and we yeah. just hit 25 members right? yeah 25 accelerators yeah. and 53 EOers now right uh -oh. yeah. so some fantastic numbers considering he was a band of uh you know yeah. a fear a fearless uh, 14 yeah 
Um, you know, and if you look at the size of Vancouver with 150 members, they have you know, probably 27 uh, accelerators. So really? Atlantic Canada has, uh, through mm. largely through Ron's effort, really grown and been on the map. Yeah. Um, so when I came on board, I was excited about that. Ron was actively into that. Um, there was a void for the GSCA aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so that's the next, you know, accelerator. Yeah. Who is the next uh, or um, EL member? Okay. So the it's a pitch competition, um, basically an awards competition. But unlike most that are out there now, that you know talk about your your product and what service yeah. and what's that unique differentiator identifier. This is an international competition that. Um, some of the brightest minds today have competed in, and I witnessed them uh, in Toronto, and I felt I was in the room for um, five hours, and I felt completely stupid the entire time. That's good. These young kids are, you know, literally 19 to 22, I think, was the oldest um, um, award, and these are international people, so there's 56 countries represented. They've all won their country, and they've all come up, um, and so it goes from that international level right down to the national level, mm-hmm. right down to the regional level. Yeah. And the whole key aspect that it's about the entrepreneur. So the individuals that actually win the competitions are the ones that have overcome the obstacles. They're yeah. in the daily trenches trying to balance school, okay. you know, okay. being a radio uh, DJ yeah. and selling Bitcoin, yeah. right? All those sorts of things and failing at, uh, at studies and then, yeah. you know, succeeding at this. And, you know, so it's all those life challenges. Okay. Right. So it's a really unique uh, aspect for the students to be involved. Yeah. And one of the uh, outcomes of it is that you become mentored by one of the EO or Accelerator members. Yeah. Right. So the gal who won this year uh, is from Newfoundland and mm. she's her last name escapes me, Jennifer meeting there next week, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, so um, she just uh, won, and we're off to Victoria in January uh, for the Nationals. Right. Right? And so she has a, you know, a uniquely uh, wonderful story to tell uh, around her business. And But basically what it is, it's she's putting labels. It's, it's talking about mental illness, and it's T-shirts, and it's coffee mugs, and it's tote bags. Really? So nothing, well, why would that win? Well, she won because the story and the process and what she's overcome, not because she has this latest and greatest new technology yes. to screen print coffee mugs. Yeah. You know, that has not very little to do with it. Yes, she is probably, yes, she's running a business and here's the story. Absolutely. Right. And that's when mm. it gets back to and that's why she was she was this year's winner. Right. And you know, I'll, so Paul's done a phenomenal job in, you know, rebirthing I'll call it because we launched Three years ago, died for a year, and then Paul came back in to kind of say, look, this this is so important. We've got to kind of yeah. revitalize this. And I think, and love to hear your take on this, Paul, but, you know, a lot of people say, well, there's so much out there. There's, you know, these different uh, enactus and different ones. Yeah. And most provide a cash prize. I don't know what the act, two to 7000 20000 doesn't matter. Paul's collected probably a, close to $100,000 in in-kind time from EOers and accelerators. That's a big thing. So you want to accelerate your business. Yeah. Spend time with someone who's fell on their face 15 times and is going to, yeah. you know, so, you know, when I said a meeting with the, the winner next week, I'm doing four strategic planning sessions with her for her business. Um, so, so, you know, EOers have really come to the table. Social media EOers will help with that. Uh, people that are great in HR, you know, everyone's got a skill to give. And so mm-hmm. it's a wealth 
and a fountain of knowledge that we really think it's not about the two thousand dollars of what no. they're going to do with that. You know, spend it as quick as they get it. It's about what, how can we add value that that entrepreneur can grow as an entrepreneur in true yeah. EO fashion, and we can lift them up. You. Yeah, very much so. And, and I think it, it's about when the entrepreneurs fail, what happens then, right? Right. Because do they just fade away and become an employee, or do they get back up? And what what support can we give them to get back up and, and yeah. continue forward? Because that's the true journey, right? Absolutely. And I'm curious with your guys' take on for the judging and, and picking out the winners. Do you, you really go towards their story and, and who they are? Versus the business. And I think a lot of other competitions focus on the business because it's the easiest. It's the most quantifiable. And you just go through a checklist. What's your differentiator, unique selling point, yada, yada, yada. Versus um, how do you guys get that out of them, the story and, and where their hardships lie? And, and do you just get them to say, like, where have you been and where you're going? Or how do you go about that? Well, it, it's designed. The competition is designed that way. So okay. um, the the participants and, and the candidates know that going into it it's it's 70 percent about your journey okay so we want to know when you when you fill out the application there's questions around your journey so how do you balance that what what's what do you do first thing you know so it's more about you than it is about your your business now yeah. we do we get the finances we get all that stuff we get all the core basics around it but it's a 70 30 split from the entrepreneur compared to the business okay and i think the other Part two is a lot of the questions are around EO values. So making your yeah. mark, do you are you having fun? Do you take yourself too seriously? Are, are you, you know, are you boldly going? So there's some key questions that really, um, you know, dig and uh, probe for 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 those types of details. Right. Is there specific examples or stories you guys could think of of uh, presenters that either winners or other presenters in the competition, or even maybe Jennifer herself? Well, I could. Ron's done uh, locally. I'll share a couple from a national level. Um, and I'll probably get his uh, young guy's name wrong, um, but it was Andre. Uh, he's working out of uh, Toronto with one of the universities out of there uh, and with the, one of the teaching universities. And basically, he's developed a Fitbit um, mm-hmm. for an EKG Fitbit. So the gold seal or the, the cardio... Um, the, cardiogram is a 12 leads you know very cumbersome it's it's what has been used in the industry and it's the only um recognizable or valid source of, of getting heart rhythm yeah. and that sort of thing so this guy has developed a fitbit um he is 19 years old he's you know probably already you know raised i think he was in the four to five million dollars mm. raised capital he's been down in california he's uh, working with the top cardiologist across the world and it's now become the gold standard of, of uh, EKG reporting and you can imagine the simplicity of it it automatically uploads it syncs the whole bit he came third right and he was our, shocking and he was our Canadian guy yeah right? right and and that he came third the kid who won was from Puerto Rico when he was 16 he was working with NASA um, in, in space right. and how to grow food in space and that's whole, nuts yeah and his whole passion was about being able to plant and have crops grow in the desolate areas where there's it, it's a wasteland. And he's achieved that. And as he was achieving that, he ended up, uh, uh, Irma came through, as you know, in, in Puerto right. Rico. Yeah. Not only devastated, he had two brand new plants set up for manufacturing wow. production, 
devastated both those, devastated his home, wow. right? And he was on stage in Toronto three months later presenting. So you talk about resilience, you talk about continuous improvement. Yeah. I get I get goosebumps yeah. when and, and to hear this kid go on and and he may all be up twenty one. Yeah. Right? And just the the challenge that he's overcome yeah. is incredible. I see now how it comes out in this story, but that's just incredible. Like these yeah. is almost like child or, or young geniuses that mm. seems to be some of the, the top in the world come out to this. It's very far reaching. Oh, yeah. oh it, it's incredible. It's we, global. Yeah. Yeah. It, we think Fifty-six different countries. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, so GSCA not last year they won before, so it's sort of our uh, our GLC, which is Global Learning. What's it stand for? GLC. Uh, global leadership conference. Global leadership conference. That's what Paul talked about. Thirty six on thirty six hundred entrepreneurs coming together, all the boards mm-hmm. across the globe, and it was in uh, Frankfurt a few years back. And I was coaching the kid who won from India, uh, Daniel is his name, and I was coaching him getting ready uh, to present. He won for India, and he was presenting in Frankfurt. His business was incredible too. It was drones that could sense uh, pipe corrosion for. Um, for uh, what do you call it? Uh, natural gas yeah. pipes and oil pipes. It was just in the biggest company in India. Shell out of India was already using this guy's service. I mean, it was just the, oh the, the technology and and the different things that the the GSEAers have have figured out and persevered when they've had uh, challenges in front. It, I mean, the stories are just awesome. But one of the things that I wow. and, and those are some of the those are the one off exceptional stories, Brendan. So look at at, at this. The GSEA competition is about the local student entrepreneur, yeah. right? And you may not win at the national level or the international level, but it's the journey and it's that process. Absolutely. And it's the exposure that has the greatest value, right? Yeah. So, right. you know, this is not all about rocket science and, and incredible stuff. This is, as being this year's winner, it's about starting a conversation about mental illness and, and mental uh, right. difficulties with something that's kind of cool and trendy, yeah. right? It, there's no rocket science here. Will Absolutely. she win at the national level? I don't know, but I think she has a good chance of placing, yeah. right? Because she has a fantastic story to tell, Absolutely. right? And so look at what good she can do in the world, whether it's through mental illness, whether mm-hmm. it's through pipe corrosion, whether it's through, you know, EKG, whatever that is, everyone has their own story, their yeah. own adventure. And that's the beauty of the GSEA competition is that it's open to everybody you have to be a for-profit business meaning over five hundred dollars in revenue uh open for six months uh and an active student basically are the three major criteria no age criteria either okay really and you know i think that's you know that's why we're here i think um i think we know that there's a lot more entrepreneurs that haven't even heard of gsea yeah absolutely we want to overturn every rock and find them and get them to come up next year. Well, I think this is the greatest place to start with having all the students here that will share this with, listen to this and bring them out. I mean, I find, I think it's, it's an, I mean, to say the least, it's an awesome endeavor having these awards because I find more at the personal at home level, it's so hard to get entrepreneurs to band together, to get them to come out of the woodwork because a lot of it is done in private rooms behind closed doors and there's no, like, it's not like a, a soccer game where you, you can meet all the soccer players really easy because you're all going to be out in the field, right? Mm-hmm. It's like entrepreneurs, like, how do we come together? And that's something that Acadia here is really working on, trying to build with. They have the Launchbox Accelerator here, mm-hmm. and we're working on uh, developing more facilities for that. Um, 
I don't know. Have you guys heard of? I mean, you guys do have a large reach. So I hope you've heard of the like entrepreneur efforts at the University of Waterloo. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard of a whole lot. So it's it's a, a few friends of mine are going up with their entrepreneurship and innovation teacher Ryan McNeil to do a research study there in in I don't know if, I think it's before the Christmas break so next okay. couple of weeks and it's because um, I hope I got the details right but what University of Waterloo one of the biggest things they have for supporting uh, entrepreneurship is an entrepreneur's residence. So you can imagine how beautiful that would become, just having everybody living in a residence with a startup and they'll have the facilities there, whether it's a lab or, mm-hmm. or a boardroom and they'll have the relevant research technologies and such. So that was that is an awesome, almost like mm-hmm. a staple of uh, entrepreneurs that we want to bring to the university as well. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the, the goals and, and just briefly around that three-year plan and commitment that, that I've made to, to EO or on the GSCA, it's to create that foundation, exactly yeah. what you're talking about, because there's so many opportunities out there for not entrepreneurs. It's almost confusing in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. So to continually to band together and to share that information into that kind of one-stop shop yeah. and say, hey, this is what's available. This is the resources. This is yeah. the support. And where I think... EO has that unique opportunity is that we're the only organization that I know of that really focuses on the person themselves. Yeah, that absolutely. mentorship, that, that individual, that entrepreneur. Yeah. Others is about, you know, this is your business acumen, this is your finance, this is your tech, this is your business planning, here's your mm. finance, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we're all about the entrepreneur. And, you know, Paul said something before about the experience. I remember the first year we did it, um, at St. Mary's, and the young guy, Peter Thiessen, I believe his last name, from Truro, he owns a property management and, and okay. a plowing company. Yeah. And he won, and sure enough, we take him, myself and Martin Balcom, we take him uh, to Toronto, The national, he, so he's our finalist from Atlantic, he comes to the Nationals in Toronto, he's presenting from seven, under, seven other entrepreneurs. This kid's never been outside of Truro, let alone, I don't even know if he'd been to Halifax before. So here he gets to Toronto, Huge leap. Shangri-La Hotel, and he's just like, and then he gets to meet these other entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, you call Peter, ask him about his experience, and yeah. uh, he's got a very different outlook on business, and, uh, you know, I think it just really changed his path. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And he was one of our judges this year. Oh, he was? Yeah, really? Good for him. So there you go. He just, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's moving he's right on. Oh, yeah, right. Because I reached out to him. I'm going to have to follow up, uh, yeah. up with him. Okay. And how many of these entrepreneurs like go on to lead successful businesses? Like that may be left out of look at like, all successes, especially like all the, the finalists at least in these competitions? Oh good I wouldn't even know how to answer that from a local or from a Atlantic level. I think we're too young to actually understand yeah. that. Mm, yeah. Um, good question. but from a national level, it, it's been eleven years. 11 years, I think, since the program is running. Yeah. Um, but that's a great question. I'll, uh, I'll come back to you with that answer. But, you know, you think from a common sense standpoint, even with what Paul's done as far as adding value to the entrepreneur, not just a check. Yeah. Your chances of succeeding are 10,000 times more likely. Absolutely. Than, than be, and, and more likely to beat the odds of what 80% of businesses or 90% go in the first two years. Yeah. yeah. And, no, that's what I was thinking is it must be infinitesimal because, like, 
you guys are giving people the opportunity to be not only like have a foot in the door, but to be fully through the door with the, being able to connect to you guys and, and have the organization behind them. When I was young, as a you know, I was 21 when I started my security company doing bars in Halifax. And if there was anything like this back then that I could, I mean, it's very lonely running a business. You just feel yeah. like you're on your own. There's no one who really understands your problems. You know, uh, no one's basically saying, Ron, call me anytime you need anything. Yeah. And who do you need to talk to? Let me help you with that. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that never existed. Yeah. Uh, I think my business and I'd be very different. You know, I, I'd be where I am today. I'd probably be 10 years ahead. Uh, Abs- you know? Absolutely. And that's the biggest struggle is getting that first traction of having people build you up. Like, is there, um, how did you overcome that struggle of not having that kind of network there? You know, um, people always say, look, Ron, who's your mentors? And I was very selective. I've never had a mentor. Yeah. But what I have done is, looked for subject matter experts. So I, if I need to, if I had a finance question, I would go, I've got 10 people that I could reach out to and answer my questions quickly. And I've done a job, I believe, in fostering those relationships with subject matter experts. Yeah. So if it's about culture, if it's about, you know, uh, growth, if it's about strategy, uh, doesn't matter. I, I, I've got a few people who I'll call on. I just haven't had that format of one mentor. And, and EO, again, isn't that. It's it's really about a network of people that ask you tough questions and talk about their experience. Because if you think, and I hear some people say, oh, you know, uh, people don't understand my business. Bullshit. Your business is based on whether you have cash flow issues, growth issues, people issues. It's all yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And so it's so much, you know, I'm probably a great example. When I was building my national security company, I didn't go to one security conference. Why would I want to sit around table a bunch of mid-age white people like me that are going to think the exact same as i do mm. stupidest thing i could ever imagine i want to be at the table with people that think completely different right different ages different cultural backgrounds yeah think very differently than me ask very different questions and do very different things you know yeah i would rather copy american express than my security competitor right so yeah then you can be versatile and, and well-rounded can't get caught off guard then. 100 percent yeah right it's a lot of pressure to get ahead yeah and you need to be thinking that way yeah is there other reaches that the gsea or maybe even the eo has towards youth and and like you know young mid-20 entrepreneurs to facilitate their success well i think great great question because i think that's part of the whole foundation of, of that next step yeah. So you look at some of the, the next organizations like the JAs that are out there and, and the, some of the stuff at the high school level. And, you know, so I think there's opportunity to reach in to create awareness and support there. Um, but, you know, the global, the GSEA competition is for um, post-secondary students, for-profit business. Right. Uh, not necessarily for but a profitable that's just Brendan's way of saying, how the hell do I get involved right now? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for the, the little entry yeah. points here. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I just a little personal great. research. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any last remarks you guys want to have on the GSEA or, or EO to provide to our listeners? No, I'll just pull, uh, do the, the, the plug for it for sure. Absolutely. Um, because I think it is a great program. It's It was new to me this year. I'm super excited about it. It runs an annual competition. It opens in May. So as, and you have to be a student in that year, right? So if you graduate in May, you're still good for that entire year. 
um, coming up to it, right? So okay. lots of opportunity there. It's a simple application. It's on the website. It's uh, gsea.org, yeah. uh, I believe is the website, um, and it's it's immediately accessible, or you can do it off our EO website as well. So lots of places. Just Google GSEA. You'll get to the Atlantic chapter, and I uh, would love to have people involved and really looking to have uh, um, candidates from every um, school yeah. is, the, is the goal for yeah. us. And yeah, we missed Acadia this year. Um, but that's okay. We'll get you guys next year. Oh, you will get us next year. Trust me. Great. And I think, uh, you know, a few more comments. It's global. You know, right. this is a global uh, student entrepreneur, the year, uh, entrepreneur contest. And it's the only one that's run by entrepreneurs. Mm, right? right. And so, not just like corporation. No, type it thing. is run yeah. by entrepreneurs like Paul. Yeah. Um, is there any way to watch the pitches of the contest or, or follow the results or anything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there'll be some live feeds. We're doing social media. So okay. we've, we've really reached out social media-wise um, to all the schools. I think we have uh, almost 200 different individuals from schools, post-secondary community members. So we're going to be part of our foundation is to be hitting them with the social media that's coming up for the nationals and for the international competition. Yeah. Um, so there'll be a bunch of that stuff out there that we'll continue to push. And there's different clips on uh, on the web that you can watch. Uh, Andre's pitch last year. Yeah. Uh, you can just you can see that and you go, holy jeez, yeah. right? So it, there's uh, there's a great opportunity. And can know, we live stream it, Paul? Uh, it's it's live stream now, we tried right? to do it this year, okay. um, and we ended up live streaming it, but only a certain portion of it. Okay. Because it was like right. five hours. So For breaks and stuff. Yeah. yeah so we did kind long. of each individual's, um, I'm pretty sure the majority of it uh, was live streamed. Okay. Right? So, yeah, and that should be up on the Facebook pages where you just scroll through that. Right on. I think we live streamed it through that. Yeah. And on our way out here. I love asking this question at the end, the perfect wrap-up to leave people with. I'll give you each a turn here. What is one piece of advice that you would give to an entrepreneur who is, say, in doing their undergrad at university that will set them up for success based on your experience? You can take a minute to think about it if you need. Um, I think for me, my personal takeaway would be um, open your business, like register it, open it. There's huge yeah. value in opening a registered business. Um, you know, I can tell you that as I coached hockey and, and mm. you know, did a lot of stuff, it was like, oh, you know, you can do it for free and do it for cash and all those sorts of things. Mm. But you never truly get committed and you're never sure. truly invested until, and it doesn't matter what the name is, it can be a number company, it can be whatever it is, but register, open it. Um, and there's huge tax advantages as well right. once you become a registered business. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I had any regret, uh, I didn't open my business soon enough. I will certainly take that personally for myself. I've got a comment on Paul's too, which I've seen so many people, and he's right, they just don't take the step of opening it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have great ideas. I grew up with a ton of individuals, male and female, that have great ideas to talk about, it, but they talk themselves out of it. Yeah. So just move. Just just do it. Don't overthink it. And and you know, if you've got an idea, just just uh, get to market. Like Paul said, start your business and and you know let it. Yeah. Learn from it. And I think I, I wrote down earlier. I think for anyone who's looking at going into business, just be super curious. Ask the Absolutely. question why all the time. Yeah. And your business should be based on the second question, which is what if. 
Yeah. Why is something like this? And what if I did this? Right. right. And just ask those two questions and be super curious. And that should help drive business ideas. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Once again, that was Pleasure. Ron Lovett and Paul Griffith here from the Entrepreneurs Organization. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this week's edition of the Axe Change Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan McNeil, and we will catch you next time. The Axe Change Podcast is produced by the Fred C. Manning School Business Administration using studio facilities provided by Axe Radio. This is a volunteer production. If you would like to donate to help support the Axe Change Podcast, please see podcast under the news and events tab on the business homepage at business.acadiau.ca. Thank you. Axchange would like to thank Paul Callahan, Jonathan Campbell, Kendra Carmichael, Duane Curry, Ian Feltmate, Mike Kennedy, Ryan McNeil, Michael Shepard, Connor Vibert, and Emma Hope. Music is Pickup Truck by Silent Partner. Access copyright free at the YouTube audio library. Follow the Axe Change podcast on the News and Events tab on the business homepage or at SoundCloud under Axe Change. Until next time, I'm Grace Butler, yours in Acadia Spirit.